Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially here with us for the very first time, whether you're watching online or you're uh, one of the thousand people that are in here after Snowvid. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, welcome back. Give yourselves a hand clap. You made it through Ice Mageddon. Um, Pastor Jason, I think, coined the phrase Snowvid for us, and so we're just going with that. So y'all made it. Like, I, I feel like like we're in some weird social experiment. Don't y'all feel like that? You're like, how much more can we absolutely take? You know, all we need is for the zoo animals to get loose and that's it. It's just, that's it. I think we're going to make it. So, uh, hey, if you made it, I, I just like, hey, God's good. We're here. You made it to church. We're so glad that you're with us. If you are watching online, we'd love for you to do a few things. Do me a favor, sh- uh, like, comment, or share uh, inside of the, the uh, social media feed. It actually helps us get through uh, some of the algorithms. Before I start today, hey, I just wanted to do something as a daddy. Can I just do this? Because like, I'm a spiritual father here at this church, and I'm so proud of our family. I'm so proud of our family. This week was a rough week for a lot of people, and I just wanted, we're going to show a few things, of just some, some really cool things that we were able to do. I, I heard so many stories of people opening up their homes. We had people opening up. I talked to someone, they had like seven people, seven families, seven, seven, everybody say seven. Yeah, seven. I don't know what that means in the Bible, it's probably something amazing, but seven, the number seven, like seven families in their house, it was crazy, feeding them. We had more people, had three families and five families. We had some people going around the city and doing errands and buying groceries and uh, helping people. And um, we, I, I was over at Pastor Jason's house. We were fixing his water pipe that broke. How many of y'all had to deal with some water issues this week, right? So, I mean, we had so many things that were going on. And let me just tell you, it, it was amazing to see our spiritual family come together. I want to say to you as a pastor, um, I'm so proud of you. But more importantly, God is proud of you. You need to know this, that when we are, we, the, the, this is the point of spiritual family. So if, if you're looking for a place that you can come in and just disappear into the crowd, you will not like it here. Because we, our goal is to make you make sure you get connected. Like our goal is to make sure why. So on the good times, you got somebody to laugh with. But on the bad times, you got somebody to pray with. Come on. Like I, I just need, well, I just know when I'm on my bed, like my, my hospital bed, I don't want somebody to come in and don't have no faith. I need someone who's got some faith. Like come up in there with some anointing oil and start, you know, with your flags and you wave whatever you need to wave. You just bring in the, the glory, right? And so the only way we can do that is when we're connected. So I just want to say I'm proud of you. Thank you so much for loving your church and, and just it's awesome. Yeah, you give you yourselves a hand. Y'all are amazing. Um, it's going to be awesome. But hey, sun is shining. Let's preach. Um, a couple of things real quick. We are starting a brand new series uh, last week, right? And most of y'all weren't here. So for a lot of us, this is our brand new series, Relationship Goals. Welcome to part one. Part one was last weekend. We'd love for you to watch it. It was about being united, uh, having Christ as the center, right? As the center of your relationship. If you're single in here, like if you're single, you need to hear this. If you want a Christ-centered relationship, you got to be a Christ-centered person now. So it's, there's a reason why your grandma said, don't go to the bar looking for your honey, Right? Like, there's a reason why she said, like, when you, you don't, you don't go places where people don't have Christ, you come on, centered at their life. That's, you just don't do that. You got to find them in places that you got to find people who are like-minded, like, come on, they have the same value systems and they put Christ at the center. If you are a single person, the best thing you do is find someone who loves Jesus, maybe more than you, and then help you get better. So anyway, um, uh, it's going to be awesome. This week, we're going to be in part two. So here's what's going to happen today. Today, if you have not registered, okay, we've given you a date night. We're going to have a rise date night this week. Everybody say this week. It's going to be this Friday, all right? And so what we're all doing is we're all going to go out as a church, and we're going to date our spouse. If you're not married, you can go date the person that you're dating. If you're not dating anybody, you can go out with a friend and go be friendly 
and just have some fun. So y'all can go on a date too. You can all register and you can register online or uh, the things behind me. And so just put it on your phone, click the link and register because here's the cool thing. If you register today before you leave, you will get a free rise date night kit. And so we want to empower you to go have a date. So there's a gift card in there and there's some fun stuff in there on how to have a great date. Because why, why are we doing that? Why are we investing in you? Because some of the greatest churches in America are built on great relationships. Because I just know this, it's really hard to have a good family when you're struggling in your relationship. So we're going to help you do that. And uh, make sure you register and sign up for it. It's going to be awesome. I'm going on a date with my wife. I'm going to look in her eyes, whisper sweet nothings to her, and hopefully she will give me a kiss. And so that will be my goal. Um, but this week, this week, we had last week, we, 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 uh, we're going to hand out stickers as well to help you remind you of these things. But this week, we're going to talk about uh, one thing called being mission-driven, mission-driven. Mission and so that's going to be the title of my message today. So before we get started, let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you that today, God, you have, um, you've already spoken to us. What a powerful time of, of singing worship to you. And God, you're already here, so we don't have to invite you here. We don't. I mean, when two or three are gathered in your name, you're there in their midst. You're here. And so I pray that you would speak to us, God, and just uh, give us a word that we need for all of our relationships in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, so there are a lot of type of pastors, right? I, if you've never been to any other churches, you've probably seen and realized that there are Maybe other, every pastor has got its own unique gift. There are some pastors who are gifted at communication. There are some guy, pastors who are gifted at relationships. There are some pastors who are gifted at counseling. And, and there's some pastors that are gifted at pastoral care. There's actually some words for that inside the Bible, but, but I won't bore them with you. But I just want you to know, like, every pastor is uniquely different, okay? And so for me, what I realized, as long as I've been a pastor, it's almost 20 years now, what I've realized is that I'm good at some things and I'm not so good at some other things, okay? And so one of the things we have here, it's kind of a running joke in our staff, is that when people call the church and ask for me, Pastor Jason is typically the one, or one of our staff members asks, and when they ask for me, what they, they kind of have a running uh, response back to that question of asking for Pastor Aaron. And what it is, is they normally say, well, do you want Pastor Aaron or do you want help? <laughs> because, because most of the time they want help. Or y'all want help, but you don't realize that it doesn't honestly come from me. I'm actually not the best person to handle 99% of the issues that are happening inside of the church. I told you they let me preach. I'm so happy for that. I'm just thankful. But, but I've noticed one of my things I'm not good at is like counseling. Because I, I liken it to like, um, uh, think of the medical field. In the medical field, you have all kinds of doctors. There's specialists and there's ones that handle, uh, you know, ongoing care. There's family doctors. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's you know, physical therapists that, that can learn. So if you get hurt, depending on what's wrong with you, you see that type of person, right? And so there's some pastors, honestly, who are really good at being like physical therapists. They're going to sit with you and walk you through your issue. We're going to deep dive. We're going to go for it. We're going to make sure that you know. And I'm going to spend, like, there's some pastors who are uniquely gifted in that. I am not one of them. I, my unique gift, I'm more like an ER physician, if that makes sense. I'm a guy who, if you come to me and you tell me something's wrong, I'm going to identify what's wrong. We're going to wrap it up. I'm going to make sure you live. But then I'm going to send you, I'm going to refer you to the person you should be doing to get long-term care, okay? Is that how, does it make sense, all right? So I just want to let you all know kind of how I'm wired. Now, what the unique thing about being a pastor is, is that, you know, now that I'm a senior leader, before, what I did was a lot of what they called pre-married counseling. 
And if you don't know what premarital counseling, it's something we do inside churches is what we do is what we say is like, look, we want to set you up for the best possible marriage. We want to do the best thing we can for you. We want to make sure that your relationship is right. So what we're going to do is we're going to get you around. We're going to teach you some basics on exactly what it's like to have a godly relationship. Here's the problem with a lot of this stuff, though, is that most of the time when those two people come in, they really aren't paying attention. They're really just trying to get to the idea where they can actually get married and do married people things without being in trouble. That's how I figure things out. Okay, I'm just telling you, I'm just giving you a backdrop of pastors and how we think. Y'all think you're pulling a one over on us. We promise you, we're humans too. We know what's going on. So anyway, so I've had these people where they come in, and when I got to a point in my life as a pastor, what I started to try to do in my premarital counseling, which is why I don't do it at our church, okay? They don't let me do a premarital counseling. is because when people come in and do premarital counseling, the longer I did it, what I tried to do is I tried to convince them to not get married. That was my strategy. I wanted to see if I could convince you to not get married. If I could just talk you out of this thing, because I don't really want to know. I don't. A lot of times we come on. We all get married for the wrong reasons, right? We a lot of us get married for the wrong reasons. So what I did was I had this funny thing where the first thing they do, they come in. Okay, they come in loving each other, holding hands. I mean, come on. The hearts were flying around them. I mean, it was like, you know, Cupid shot them and they were just so happy and so in love. And I sat down on my you know, on the chair and across from my desk. And I'm like, all right, are you ready to go? And they're like, yes, pastor. You know, they can barely look at me. They can barely stand themselves. I mean, it's like you throw up. Yeah. You know, and it's like, can you look, 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 listen, listen, over here, over here, over here. So I, I said, I just have one question for you. I just, and I do this all the time. It's funny. I, said, I just have one question. Why do you want to get married? And this was the best part all of the answers that came, okay? <laughs> because what's funny is, if you really boil down to, like even in my own life, I thought like, I'm not sure I ever asked myself that question, honey. I don't think I remember asking, why do I want to get married? I saw a beautiful, short Mexican woman <laughs> that I wanted to marry desperately, and I never asked any godly questions on why. So I asked this, I would ask these Normal question is when I started my question, I said, why do you want to get married? Now, I'm going to give you some of the top answers that I got, all right? I just want you to just say, I'll see what, I'm going to pull back the veil of what it's like to be a pastor. Number one, I got, that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I said, why do you want to get married? Said, well, we're supposed to do that, Pastor Rice, in the Bible somewhere. I think it's right. I think somebody said something about we're supposed to get married. Like we date and we get married and we have kids and we live happily ever after. That's what Disney says. I'm supposed to get married. We're supposed to. I said, oh, okay. Number two, I got the, one of the number ones I got. My parents told me to. That was an interesting one because, you know, anytime you get around certain kind of family folk, like my family, like, would they be just, ain't it funny how family has a lot of opinions on how you should live your life, right? Come on, somebody. I got a better amen than that, right? Okay, so your online line, y'all like, hey, amen. So, because you ain't sitting next to your family. So, uh, Number three, we're in love. This was a good one. We're in love. We fa- I've heard this. All- this is so good. Pa- why do you want to get married? Pastor, we've fallen in love. And they like lose their breath. They make it all breathy. Love's all breathy. Love. Everybody on the count of three, just go with me. One, two, three. Love. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, gross. Gross. It's gross. It's gross right now. It doesn't make it any less gross when you get married. But the number one thing that we would hear on a regular basis that I would hear, and it would make me laugh, is this, this is right here, so we won't be happy. All the married people are laughing, right? It's like, we, we know. 
It's like, we know. Because, like, I've noticed that when happiness is your goal, you rarely get it. Like, when happiness is, like, the thing. It's like, I've noticed about the way God teaches about happiness. Go back and watch, like, go read the Beatitudes. I did a series uh, last year called Happiness Is, and it was, you know, it's all about the Beatitudes. Jesus teaches about happiness. Uh, What he doesn't teach about happiness is that, like, hey, you should try to be happy to be happy. Or chase after happiness to be happy. He's like, you, you, happiness is uh, cultivated. It's planted. It's, it's, it's grown over time. And so I just noticed that when you, when you chase happiness, you, you don't actually get happiness. I've noticed with, with some people in, in marriage. When you start with the wrong premise, it really is the principle. When you start with the wrong premise, you get the wrong results. And, and, and you, 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 you and I have to have a, a conversation with ourselves at some point. Like, why should you get married? If you're single in here, why should you get married? Why be with anybody? If, you, um, if you're married in here, why should you stay married? Why should you even fight for it? If you're uh, divorced and you're looking to remarry, why should you give marriage a second chance? I mean, come on. Like, can we be real? Like, there, there are these some questions that like, man, there is, there's got to be a point to marriage, God. I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible. But if my answer is, I want to be happy, my parents told me to, it's what I think I should, or God forbid you fell in love. If that's the reason, it doesn't seem to work, right? The wrong premise will give you the, the wrong results. What's the, what's, the, what's the point of marriage? You need to know this. The point of marriage is that godly marriages were designed. Their, 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 their marriages are, are, are missions-driven. There's a point to, mission, to, to, to your marriage. Not just to have a wedding and get wedding gifts, which is cool, and have a lot of food and eat a lot. The point, the whole point of a godly marriage is mission. I'll show it to you, Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screens. But I want to read this to you. This is God establishing, after God has established marriage, because we talked about it last week. God establishes, creates this thing. He designed it, and he designed it with him in mind. It's like having a flashlight without the batteries. It doesn't work, okay? So it's designed for him to be at the center. He's the power source. Then, I love that, he goes on to share with us why you should be married. If one of the people would just quote Genesis 1, to me, I'd be like, great, I'll marry you right now. Because this is why God wanted us to get married. He says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, he says, So God created mankind, his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them, verse 28. I love this. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Four things, four purposes, four missions, micro missions inside the mission of God and for marriage was four things. Number one was was to to be fruitful, produce goodness. By the way, a lot of pastors teach this wrong. They say be fruitful and multiply, thinking that that always meant having kids. It's like, hey, have kids and have kids. That's not what that meant. Being fruitful meant to actually go and produce goodness. What is produce? What is fruit called? It's called pro pro. Produce, yeah, so produce goodness. Bible says you guys are meant to be together so you can one number one go out and produce goodness. Okay. Go produce goodness. Then, then you're going to multiply generations, so you're going to be multiplied. So, okay, multiply generations. Yes, have kids. But he doesn't stop there. 
So he says, then, then you're going to go and conquer the earth. He goes, you're going to go. You're going to go be fruitful and multiply. You're going to subdue the earth. You're going to do things. And then he goes, the fourth thing, you're going to reign supreme. The whole point of this was that it sounds familiar because it is familiar. Marriage's mission was Christ's mission because when Matthew chapter 28 and Jesus is leaving this earth, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Come on. Hello. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come on, he says, look like, like you need to heed my word and listen to what I'm saying. All four purposes are lined out. So come on, y'all see what I'm saying? It's from the beginning and then it's in the center and it's at the end. That, that marriage, the whole point was for you to accomplish the mission. That there's a purpose of you two being together. There's a, there's, a, there's a design, there's, a, there's an idea behind it. Now, inevitably, the question that comes up once you realize that, okay, so we're supposed to be doing something here, not just having babies and making a family and trying to get rich and whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't that everybody else's? Like, that seems to be culture's definition of mission to marriage. Like, oh, you get married and you have kids and you make money and then you try to keep up with your neighbor and then you retire. Like, that's... The culture's mission on marriage, but that's not God's mission on marriage. Inevitably, what is asked of us is how do you accomplish God's mission? There only, I could give you a ton, of, honestly, I can give you like 25 different ways, but really they're all rooted in one thing, and Jesus highlights it, God highlights it in Genesis chapter 2. The only way that you and I are going to accomplish the mission inside of this world is unity. If you two are not united, if I'm not united with my wife, I cannot accomplish the purpose that I have inside of our lives. Our marriage has a potential. It is only accomplished through unity. I like what the Gottman Institute says. It's a, kind of a godly um, marriage institute. They kind of give certain things on how to be good with marriage. And he says this. They've, they've done thousands of studies and walked through thousands of marriages. And he says marriages that are built around common purpose and vision are the healthiest. The Bible says it like this, Genesis chapter 2. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And he uses this weird word that we're talking about today. And the two are what? The two are united into one. That united, unity is the way we accomplish the mission of marriage and its full potential. Can you accomplish a mission single? Yes. But when you get married, when you can come together with someone, when you unify and link up arms under one common vision, you can do much more. It's why we have church. I could be out on the corner right now preaching my heart out by myself. But when we come together, come on, y'all. When we come together and we link arms and we're unified in a vision, come on, and a mission that is not our own, that was designed for us to do something in this earth, we can do some amazing things. We can fulfill some potential. Come on. We can, there's, there's, some, there's some, but what I've noticed, what I've noticed is that whatever God unites, Satan divides. So, so okay, this is a disclaimer. You start living like this, you will start being attacked more than you normally will. Because the enemy doesn't have any reason to bother you if you're not living united with your wife or your husband. He just said, oh, y'all already working for me. You on my side. But when you start, when you start walking in unity, when you start saying, no, we're going to agree on this and walk forward together, the enemy kind of goes, oh, no. 
I, I got to work to divide. It happened in the first marriage. I'll show you. It's so fascinating. If you just got to go back and watch some of these things. Genesis chapter 3. The reason I'm walking out of Genesis, it's all this happens in, in, in the moment, right? So this is one example I want to show you where Satan goes in to divide as soon as they are, are united. So Genesis chapter 3. It's a fascinating story. By the way, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, that was where we left off, right, when God united them. They said, we're going to put two flesh together, and they're going to be united under Christ. I love it that God puts something together. He unites it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. God unites. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say? So this is the second part of it says the serpent comes, Satan comes, God unites, the Satan comes and starts to work on division. He says, did God really say you must not eat of that fruit of any of the tree in the garden? He's like, I'm not sure he said that. Did you see that? Did you hear it? You should question. Are you sure? The pastor preached about y'all being unified. Like, I don't think he said all the time. Not when he's mean to you. Not when she don't listen to you. There's all these little things that Satan comes in. He starts to work and, and divide. And, and then if you go and read it, I won't read it for you. But context is, is they start talking to God and say, we heard you walking through the garden. And so we, we decided to hide from you. When you try to, it's like hiding from God is like, you know, drinking decaf coffee. There's no sense. Make no sense. <laughs> right. Can I get an amen from anybody? Right. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, so, so you're trying to hide from God, which is silly. And so in verse 9, he says, then the Lord God called me and said, where are you? Side note, anytime God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. So he's asking you a question for you. Where are you? I, I thought, I thought we were connected. I thought we were unified. I thought I gave you the vision and the mission. I gave you all that you needed. And all of a sudden something happened. What happened? In verse 12, I said, this is fun. So this is classic. So now we are now in the first counseling session of any marriage that's ever happened. God's counseling. It's classic. The man replied, listen, first of all, is the woman. Is the woman that you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it in verse 13. Then the Lord God said, and asked him, what if, oh, oh, so it's the woman. And then God looks to the woman and Okay, then what have you done? And she says, this is funny. She, the serpent deceived me. And that's why I ate it. Let's summarize for those of you who might have missed it. God asked what happened. What happened? We're all on the same page. We're all unified. The man blamed the woman and God. We don't do great. Well, come on, guys, let's be honest. When we're stuck and we've been caught, we say some dumb stuff. First man who ever did it. Then the woman actually gets it right, and she says, well, it was actually Satan. Okay, so ladies, you got it right. All right, so you did. You got it right. You found, you decided, you figured it out. It was Satan who, why? Because Satan, he causes division, division, die, vision, two visions, two, two ununified visions. And when I have two visions in the world, it, you, it don't work. When you have two heads of anything, it's a freak. It don't work. You have a vision that's unified. And when there's division, you can't walk together. I like what Amos says. Can two people walk together without agreeing on one direction? And just because, listen, here's the fear. that, that we, we, It's a fear of God that we should have. Just because you're together doesn't mean you're unified. 
Just because you're partnered doesn't mean you're unified. Just because you've had kids doesn't mean you're unified. Just because you live under the same roof doesn't mean you're unified. Just because you have the same bank account doesn't mean you're unified. I'm telling you, there's unity. There's power in unity. But unless you, you, you know how to, to activate it in your life, you, you're not going to have it. I'm going to give you two ways as we wrap up. Two ways how to, to stay unified, to stay united. Number one, you have a common strategy. This is unique. Okay? I want to give you some, just, some practicals. These are some practicals of how, how to live as a marriage. Okay? Just, these are some, as I've seen, as I've walked through books, counseling, conferences, my pastor, my counselor, great examples that you can see. Great, healthy marriages have a common strategy. They're unified in how they're going to accomplish the mission because everybody's built differently. Like every marriage is going to have its own unique bent, its own unique micro mission, if you will, under the mission of God. Your mission might look different than my mission with my wife. But we're still trying to accomplish the same thing. I'll give you a biblical example. Um, there's a, 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 a couple that is in the New Testament, um, and Paul mentions them in Romans. Um, it's Priscilla and Aquila. And, and they never, I love it, he mentions them six times, and they never mention, he never mentions them without one of the other. Now, this is not a codependent relationship. This is, I think he did it for a reason. He's trying to say they're unified under a common strategy, to accomplish the mission. And, and, and they do so many of these cool things. I'll, I'll show it to you. Romans chapter 16, it says, give, me, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my coworkers in the ministry. They're like, hey, we, we, they're on mission with me. They're, they're, they're doing some amazing things of Christ Jesus. In fact, they, they once risked their lives for me. I mean, come on, how many of y'all, that's, that's commitment, right? Some of, some of us are like, go to church more than one time a month. That's commitment, I'll move on. None of y'all, nobody amen that part, I thought. Okay, so um, he says, I'm thankful to them. And so are all the Gentile churches. So we find out here that, like, um, if if you're not Jewish in here, you should be thankful for Priscilla and Aquila. Because they let us kind of, they created a church and created an area for us to come in. And we're like, yeah, this is good. God's good. It's for everybody. And in verse 5, I'm like, also give my greetings to the church. Come on, to the church that meets in their home. They got a small group going on. Like, I love it. So like, okay, so, so like they're, they're unified and they risk their life for Paul. They have a small group in their home. They have figured out that they have a common strategy on how they're going to accomplish the mission. And strong marriages have unity around a common strategy. So you have to ask yourself this question. What is your common strategy? I'll give you an example of mine and my wife's. We planted a church to accomplish the mission. Some of you should not plant a church to accomplish the mission. You hear what I'm saying? But, but. Maybe you both have a, a desire for uh, kids, and you love children, and maybe you have a whole group of them yourself, but maybe that common strategy inside of your mind could be you're going to go and, and help start an orphanage in another part of the world. Come on, because the Bible says we should help the orphans and widows. That's the mission of Christ. So you could maybe combine, maybe you have a, 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 an idea to start something to help kids here who are struggling, who maybe are underprivileged and need help. Come on, you see what I'm saying? Like there, there's a common strategy under the common mission. Maybe you, you love marriages and you're in your heart. You're like, man, me and my wife, we just feel called to marriages. And you need to start a small group marriage thing in your house. And that's how you accomplish the common. Why are you doing this? Are you doing it to be Christian? No, you're doing it to accomplish the mission. 
right? There, there's, a, there's a purpose. Maybe you love travel. Maybe you're traveling in your travels. Every place you go, you start some type of mission organization that helps further the mission of where you went. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to become a monk to accomplish the mission. You can find what you naturally like. Do that unto Christ, and do it together. What amazing purpose you could have. You might like food in here. You're like, you don't understand me and my wife. We cook some good food. Great. You should start a small group. Most great small groups have good food. Like you see what I'm saying? Wrap what you like and what you are common commonality of what you feel like you could do together. I know some people who are in love with CrossFit. Okay, let me go there for a minute. Let me go there. Do CrossFit Unto God. Maybe after your cross, I'm giving you ideas here, okay? I'm trying to help. Maybe after your CrossFit session, you're done pumping iron, swinging, you know, doing that crazy, what do they do? You know, you, anyway, so anyway, you, on the, mon- the monkey bars, one of the pull ups. Those aren't pull ups. I'm just kidding. So anyway, I just, <laughs> all the CrossFit people are not coming back. All right, so listen, I'm just saying, I could never do it, okay? I go to the YMCA. All right, I'm just, y'all are much stronger than I am. I'm just saying, after you're done swinging on the monkey bars, get down and have a Bible study after, I'll get off of that. All right, common strategy. I lost, y'all. Somebody say, anybody say amen? Anybody? Cool, I got you. One more. I got one more. Common enemy. So you, unified marriages, you want unity. You not only have common strategy, you have common, a common enemy. You need to be unified in fighting against the one who is your enemy, which is not your spouse. The enemy is the enemy. And he doesn't look like, um, he doesn't look like he had red horns and a pitchfork. He looks very, very enticing. Every description of the Bible that talks about Satan, actually, he was one of the most beautiful angels in heaven. So he's enticing. But he's your enemy. Ephesians chapter 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, that there is a spiritual enemy who hates you. And he hates marriage. And he hates God. And he is not your friend. The Bible talks about him. He's a liar. He prowls like a lion seeking to devour. He's a sinner. He's an adversary. He's a dragon. He's darkness. He's a murderer. Do not mess with these demons. Stop messing around with them. It's like we give little things here. Like we give them a little. Ephesians chapter 4 says don't give any opportunities to the devil. Like don't invite him into your relationship in any way, in any small way. And what well, kind of is okay because it kind of like it's all right because like there's grace and right. Like we can kind of like just be all good. And then like but we just like but you, what you did is you allowed him to have a foothold inside of your relationship. And he is not your friend. The other day my son let a salesman walk into our house. I don't want to name who it was. Rhymes with Yuda. See, he lets him in the house. We've had a conversation. Hey, we don't let strangers in the house. How many of y'all have that rule? If you don't have that rule, you need that rule. Okay, y'all have that rule. Stranger. I don't even know this person. I don't know their intention. I walk in, and this dude's standing in my house. I'm like... Because I'm like barely saved sometimes, right? Like, you know, right? You know, you're like, are we doing this? Like, I'm from West Coast, California. We invented gangs. Like, what do you all want? 
What are you doing in my house? It's, oh, sir, I want to sell something. You know, I don't even know what he wanted to sell. I'm like, well, step outside, and then we can have a conversation. So I finished up with that and talked to you. Judah, Judah, you know our rule. I don't let anybody in our house. We don't know. We don't know their intention. The enemy, Satan is worse. You know his intention. And yet we let him in to our home by overlooking. Here's how. Here's how. You want to know how you do it and how I do it? We overlook the small things, the cracks. We think that, we think that it's going to be the holes in our relationship that's going to bring us down. What I've noticed, Pastor Jason, you probably noticed this too when you, when you counsel people. It's not the big things. It's the little things that are hurting you right now. I was watching a documentary on the Challenger, uh, Space Shuttle Challenger, that went up and exploded um, right as it was kind of leaving the atmosphere. I was watching it. And um, they did this whole presentation, scientific research on how this thing happened, you know. They were trying to figure out how this thing, multi-billion dollar, uh, you know, space shuttle, like marvel of science, right, how this thing that was going up and down, in and out of space. I mean, just amazing. The fact that we do that is amazing, y'all. And so they're like, why? How on earth would this multi-billion dollar thing? And they, they, you know what? They, they found it. They found what it was. They narrowed it down. Microscopic. This is literally what they said. Microscopic crack in the O-ring of the space shuttle. It wasn't a big hole. They didn't lose a wing. The glass didn't fly out. It was a microscopic crack in an O-ring in the space shuttle that took down a multi-billion dollar. It, it rattled the, the, the space station and the, the space program for years. Destroyed what they had created. And for you and I, we need to be conscious of the microscopic things, the little things that you don't think that are big deals. When, 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 um, when they're, they're going to destroy the whole thing. Where, I'll give you some, can I just give you some thoughts and then we'll be done? I'm done now. I'll just give you something to think about. Maybe it's your attention. Not a big deal. I've noticed before, I think, what was it, 2009, before this thing came out, I looked at my wife a lot more. So my attention, is it a big deal? Is this evil? Eh. Depends on what preacher you talk to. What Bible verse out of context they use. <laughs> but, but I think there is some truth to the idea that, like, as great as this thing is, it's really brought in a burden and it took my attention off of my wife a little bit. Where's your attention when you come home from work? Where's your attention when your kids are sleeping? When is your atten- where's your attention when it's small, it's little, it shouldn't matter, but it does. Where, where's your, how about your appearance? Remember how you used to look before you got married? Come on. Come on, I'm poking you a little bit. I'm a pastor. Let me poke you. You remember what you looked like before you got married? Come on, dudes. <laughs> Because you were on the hunt, right? And all of a sudden it went, 
Just a thought. Just a thought. How about, how about your attitude? Remember you used to be a fun person? You used to smile, used to laugh, used to be fun. You used to be likable, and then you were like, oh, I've accomplished all that I have accomplished. I have gained my prize. I don't care anymore. And, and it's the little things. I promise you, your wife, your husband, he, 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 he's not really worried about the big stuff. It's the little stuff over a long period of time. It's the microscopic cracks that we've allowed to really, really and look, it's going to, if you don't, I've just noticed, I'm just giving you a warning sign from maybe just, if you just take my word for it on some of the stuff I've seen, man, it's, it's the small things that lead to the big things. The big things don't happen overnight. There's no such thing as an overnight success or an overnight failure. It's little stuff. It's the little things. So just, just be mindful. Just, I want to encourage, if you want to stay unified, remember you have a common enemy who comes in through the cracks. He comes in through the cracks. Beware of his schemes, and I pray that when we're unified, we'll be on mission with a purpose. Your marriage has a purpose. You will fulfill your potential. Look, and God, God, God's going to do some amazing things. That's my prayer for you. So if you're single in here, be unified on mission. Come on. Make sure you have a mission in your life. Find someone who wants to help you accomplish the mission of Christ. If you're married in here, make sure you two are on the same page. After this, go home and talk about where we're going to have a common strategy and how we can remind ourselves that the enemy is a punk. And he has no place in our life. And if, look, if you've, if you've lost a marriage and maybe you're looking to remarriage, Mary, I, I want to encourage you. Don't give up. Because you can do some amazing things when you, when you find that one that God wants you to be unified with. And there's a purpose in your life. And there's some amazing things you can do when you link up arms with another like-minded individual, believer in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I love you. And, and Lord, I, I thank you that that you've given us the idea of unity through your word. And, and I know that, that it's unity. United, we're undefeated. If you're married in here, will you just take the hand of, of, your, of your spouse? And, and I just I want to pray a special prayer over you right now. Father, I thank you for the, the married couples in this place right now, Lord. That, Lord, there is so much attack coming on the relationship today. It's, uh, it's spiritual. It's demonic. It's evil. And, God, we rebuke the hand of the enemy in this marriage right now. We pray that they were united. I pray that they were, would see one with one vision and one mission and come to a common strategy to accomplish that mission. And remember that Satan is their enemy, that you are our father, and that we can do anything. On united, we are undefeated. If you're married and you're saved, this when we say united, we're undefeated. If you're in here and, and you're single, I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the singles in there, God. I thank you that right now they have a purpose and a plan. They do not need another one to accomplish and to complete them. They are one all by themselves. You complete them when you are in their life. But we know, God, there's purpose when we, put our, when we link arms with another like-minded individual who loves you. And what we can do with one is, man, what we can do so much better when we have another. And we can accomplish even that much more and be exponentially uh, uh, powerful inside of this world. So I pray that their mind would be lifted up, that their spirits would be high, that they would not be looking for the one, they would look to be the one and keep their mission focused in Jesus' name.